Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Good morning. Um, it's only Sarah gone this morning uh, because Big Daddy Liberty is out on the road um, being controversial, I imagine, and doing a range of interviews with people on a range of subjects. And oh, he will bring you the, all the fun and all the controversy in his show later on in this week. So it's me and my guest who will be Terence Corrigan, colleague of mine from um, the Institute of Race Relations. Terence is a project manager and if you want to know anything about expropriation without compensation, he's your man, and that is what we will discuss in light of uh, recent developments, which we will go through. Having a look at what's been happening in in and around, um, we have the situation where the Johannesburg City Council may be dissolved because it hasn't passed its budget for the 2020-2021 financial year. Now, it was supposed to have passed the budget at the end, by the end of June. So it was supposed to go into July with the new budget and it hasn't been passed. And this means that the provincial government, if things do not happen quickly and a budget is not passed, will have to dissolve the city council and take over the administration, which, uh, would probably be more disastrous than the administration is now because given the size and complexity of the of Johannesburg and its surrounds, running the city well, badly or indifferently requires a huge amount of work and, and is complex. So the idea of the province taking it over is really concerning. We can't really get an idea as to what the issues are that's holding the budget up. The only thing we've heard is that the there are legal issues that need to be clarified by lawyers and legal opinions are being uh, are, are being obtained. Alta has uh, criticised the municipality for considering rates uh, rates increases, um, and it, it has called for a 0% tariff increase for the new financial year and a 0% remuneration increase. It's also called on the city to reduce its operating costs. And it says that it will call for an investigation into plans by the city to pay the mayor, speaker, and chief whip more than the legal rate. Doesn't that sound familiar? Um, so there we are. We are, we may be councilless. I don't know if that might be good, bad, or indifferent. It could be very interesting. Obviously, the complexity has been the fact that the coronavirus has put a stop to virtually everything. So let's wait and see. I mean, the idea of the biggest metro in the in, in the country being in the hands of the province. Um, well, there's a thought for you. It, it, it was something they tried to do with Tony, but that was that was a much more political, um, much more political ad. Sorry, political act. I, I'm getting confused because we are now going to our first ad break for the for the morning. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. One of the most Depressing things, I think, every year is the Auditor General does a report on the state of the management of 
the financial management of the municipalities around the country. There are about 257 of them, and every year it gets worse in in this sense. 20 of the 2,000, oh, sorry, of the 257, 20 reported clean audits. In other words, every aspect of their financial management uh, met the required standard. 13 of those were in the Western Cape. A couple were in the Northern Cape, um, KwaZulu-Natal, Limpopo, and Kauteng. But where they were not, where there were absolutely no clean audits, was Free State and the Northwest. And what's interesting in looking at the reports on this is that it's, it's unsurprising as to what works and what doesn't work. The, the unclean audits, if I can call them that, are characterized by poor performance, incompetence, uh, absolutely very little sense of what needs to be done. It's, in some cases, there's corruption on top of that and an irregular expenditure. In other words, spending things that are not listed on um, the, the, begin, the budget from the beginning of the year is a massive, massive problem. Uh, people are overpaid. Services, in some cases, are just not delivered. And when you have a look at the um, when you have a look at the, the the municipalities that are successful, the key thing that comes out all the time is that a key person of management, and usually the municipal manager, they have appointed someone who knows how to do the job and who knows how to manage the workforce. In other words, it's common sense stuff, and we. Nothing that we in the private sector would be surprised by. It's not rocket science. All it is is good, knowledgeable. And this is the key, this is the key thing. It's knowledgeable. It's people who have the skills that are being appointed to manage the jobs. And all this goes to uh, highlight is the lack of success of the ANC's cadre deployment policy. I mean, one of the, one of the notable things in the, uh, um, in Johannesburg, and I'm sure it's all around the place, and I've read it in the context of, of something else recently, is where people don't perform, or even if they commit criminal misconduct, they are almost never fired. They are simply redeployed to somewhere else in the organization. And many of us will know that when an organization is faced with, let's call it some form of rot in that form, people have to be fired. The, the organizations have to be cleansed, essentially, of what caused the problem in the first place, because otherwise you end up with a culture of acceptance of, of the inadequate and the poor and the, and the incompetent and, and the criminal, and that permeates through an organization. Those who are capable and able and hardworking become less and less inclined to do what is necessary to provide a service to to the people that are that are paying for them, and the these except let's call them exceptional uh, municipalities. One has I think it's probably worth someone do, doing some research into what what it is that made the council of that particular municipality seek out and employ someone who is capable of doing the job as opposed to the, the, the cadre deployment, the redeployment and the redeployment that go on through the incompetent municipalities. And it, it, might, it might reveal something that will help us to 
put pressure on the ANC led on the ANC led municipalities, which is the majority of them, to not go the cadre deployment route to actually do something that is of the of benefit to the um, to 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 the people to the people that they serve. Um, looking at a little comparison that Rob Rose of the Financial Mail did on the. Uh, on the audits, he referred to the one of the, the base being uh, Okashlamba, the local municipality which covers the Drakensberg area and KZN. He says that residents say they have a constant supply of electricity, their ro- roads are pothole-free, and the air smells fresh, with not a whiff of sewage. And this is the fourth consecutive year it's had a, a clean audit. Its mayor... Umlungizi Ndlangiza said that when he took over in 2011, there were many people in key positions without the right qualifications. Quote, we recruited a skilled workforce and we have installed electricity through the rural areas. Um, Refreshing, straightforward, deal with a problem. Then he contrasts this to what he calls the hot mess that is Brits run by the municipality of Madibeng, an area in the northwest which includes Hartebeerspoort Dam. And here, Rob Rose says, the picture is abysmal. Shoddy or non-existent services, members of the public filling in potholes because the municipality couldn't be bothered, and streetlights that haven't worked for who knows how long. And yet Madibeng's municipality has 105 staff in its finance department alone who are being paid salaries of 33.6 million, even as another 35.4 million is spent on consultants who actually do the books. The Auditor General found that for this money, quote, no value was realized due to a lack of, lack of proper record-keeping practices, which at times appeared deliberate in order to hide the, hide the extent of irregularities. Now, one of the things they ascertained is that I think it was 37 billion rand is being spent by municipalities on consultants. And this is not always a waste of money. In other words, if the consultants are competent, it help, it may, it, it does in some, on some occasions help to overcome the inadequacies within the municipality structure and, and proper books are kept and the results are acceptable. But by all accounts, in the vast number of cases, the additional cost of, of consultants does absolutely nothing to improve things, to make things better, to make things manageable, to create a system, and things just rot and continue rotting. So the thing that makes me intensely angry is that this has been the leitmotif of the Auditor General's audit for the past, I, I don't know, decade more, um, and the, the there is no pressure put on the municipalities that are not performing to improve, to cut costs, to cut, to reduce salaries, to to put the right people in to do the job, and to not employ consultants who add of no value whatsoever. So. It obviously can be done. It, as I said, it's not rocket science. But why is it not being done? Is why is the what pressure is needed to make these municipalities change? It, it seems that uh, service delivery protests, which which absolutely go to the failure of uh, municipal delivery, municipal service, don't seem to have lasting effects. And um, 
it, it goes to the fact that perhaps next year's local election, 2021, they are going to have to, people are going to have to reconsider their vote all the more because if nothing else has worked today, it may be a, a change in municipal governance and the political party in charge of a municipality is the way to go and is what we'll have to look at. So that is my uh, challenge put out there to the good people of South Africa to try and find a way to improve what is what they have a right to have improved, and that is the services to their town. Having ranted on that uh, monumental and depressing subject, we go to our next ad break and we'll return with our guest, Terence Corrigan. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the essentially the main part of today's program, and my the guest my guest is a colleague, uh, project manager at the Institute of Race Relations, Terence Corrigan. Welcome, Terence. Hi, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, Terence is essentially uh, an expert on a, on a number of things, a very eloquent expert on a number of things. And one of the areas he's particularly expert on is expropriation without compensation. Now, just before I put it to Ter- put some questions to Terence, just to give you the background, Exp- expropriation without co- compensation was a resolution that the ANC passed at its elective congress in 2017. And if, as you remember, that was the conference that elected Saul Ramaphosa. And by all accounts, the resolution was put forward and passed pretty much in the dying minutes of a very protected conference. And a, a committee was established in Parliament to investigate whether the Constitution needed to be amended in order to implement expropriation without compensation. And that is essentially... Oh, to put it uh, bluntly, uh, taking your property without compensating you for it. The commission, to, to, the uh, committee to change the constitution, uh, to decide whether to change the constitution, decided that it should be changed, and its, do- its role was then done. The, there's a lot of dispute and controversy as to how this committee uh, carried out its, its, its functions, and uh, it's probably close to, if not unconstitutional. Thereafter, the government set up a commission to look at the wording. I may have my commission and committees confused. The wording that should be changed in the constitution to allow for expropriation without compensation. Um, and as far as I understand, and Terence, you can, cl- you can correct me on this, the commission or the committee was in the process of doing its work. Um, it hadn't yet put out a final draft bill to 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 set out the rewording and come covid its its function its functionality came to an end at that particular time it has now been reestablished to to continue its work and this in the amidst of a covid pandemic that has completely upended our society and and revealed with no without any doubt that our country is pretty much bankrupt and there is no money to do anything and the government is unlikely to be able to be the, the body that, that expropriates property in any way that we would consider acceptable. Terence, where are we now with this process? <laughs> oh, I think one of the, one of the issues is that, uh, the, that question itself is rather unclear. Okay. Um, look, let me, um, uh, let me just take you back and, uh, uh, we need to go back to, yeah, the, 
the 1990s to really see this in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the property clause, Section 25, was one of the most hotly contested issues in the um, uh, in the constitutional negotiations. And what emerged out of it was uh, very much a uh, very much compromise. It recognised the importance of um, of protecting property on both, I think, on both pragmatic and uh, and normative grounds. Um, it's often forgotten that. Uh, uh, Property rights are are uh, regarded internationally as human rights. Uh, they are not, um, uh, despite what what certain activists will say, they are not a sort of dispensable uh, 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 discretionary thing that um, uh, that can be granted and taken away at whim. Um, what Section Twenty Five did, though, was it uh, listed a um, a whole bunch of kind of exceptions and conditions, which. Um, Certainly gave the government, I think, whatever latitude it um, it would have needed. Um, the idea that um, uh, that uh, land reform needed to be guided by um, uh, by, by market um, uh, market value prices, for instance, uh, was often held up as a reason for its failure. But the constitution doesn't uh, doesn't specify that. Um, and uh in fact there have been a number of uh number of investigations into what's wrong with 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 land reform in south africa and um the question of the quantum of con- compensation or the protection of property rights has actually never been shown to be a major problem um land reform has never um has never accounted for as much as 1% of the government budget it simply hasn't been a hasn't been a priority and there are reasons for that Particularly as far as agrarian or rural land reform goes, South Africa is now 66% urbanized and the drivers for people to find jobs in cities. Um, there is a whole sort of area of urban land reform, which is, um, a somewhat different, a somewhat different issue. And to the extent that there are, um, is significant, uh, um, demand for land, that's actually where you find it. Um, but post the Polokwane conference, the ANC shifted its um, its focus quite uh, quite dramatically, and um, there we count as many as um, uh, thirty thirty five um, distinct regulatory or um, uh, legislative or policy uh, changes over that period, which undermined uh, people's hold on on their property. Um, there was a, uh, in one in one iteration of a bill I think it's called the the, the preservation of agricultural land. Um, the idea was for all farmland to be nationalized. Uh, mm-hmm. People often, you know, often forget this. So this thing didn't come out of, didn't come out of a vacuum. Um, mm-hmm. Come 2017, yes, uh, it was. Um, my understanding is that it was a it was a very hotly contested issue, but it was um, it was one that um, I think it's a Soromaposa's faction needed to. Uh, or felt they needed to concede in order to get the uh, the leftists and the looters on side, the radical economic transformation crowd. <laughs> um, now, I I don't think that 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 this is really um, uh, about um, uh, uh, about the benefits of a um, of a proper land reform program, which mm-hmm. of, of which there they, uh, they would be. Um, but you know, you need a prop you need a properly capacitated bureaucracy. You need to actually mm-hmm. extend property rights uh, to to beneficiaries, all of which pushes against um, against South Africa's policy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a school of thought doing the rounds that uh, Worm Cyril has got this, and uh, you know he knows what a disaster this would be. So he's playing along until the the, the right moment arises, <laughs> which he can which point he can defang it. 
To which I respond that over the past two and a half years, there's no issue into which he has invested the, the degree of political capital he has into promoting expropriation without compensation. Um, so I think, and, you know, now we enter, uh, uh, we enter the COVID, um, uh, uh, the COVID situation. You have the prospect of the economy being decimated and understand mm-hmm. that that was the Roman punishment where you killed one in every 10. This could well be a, <laughs> one in every, you know, one percentage point in yeah. every 10. Um, now, uh, just before, um, the country shut down, um, the government, uh, or the, the, uh, um, uh, there, there was, uh, a draft amendment doing the rounds, uh, still very much in its early stages. But then the government, then, uh, the governing party, the ANC came out and said, no, 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 they're not happy with that. What they want is, um, something altogether more, dare I say, radical, which would mean that, um, uh, uh, they would shift the um, uh, onus of decisions on compensation issues from the courts to the executive. Mm. Um, by some interpretations, that would uh, that would essentially empower every executive organisation in the country, you know, mm. munis- uh, municipalities or whatever, to go and grab what they wanted and to um, uh, to largely shut the courts out. I mean, they would have mm. some oversight role, but not um, uh, but not a great deal. Um, essentially, and essentially what this would mean is that you would be, um, you would be placing the future of your assets and your right to hold them and on what conditions in the hands of a, um, uh, of a highly politicized civil service and a political class that is, I think, quite hostile to the idea of, um, of, of, of property rights. And remember, this isn't about, just about land. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can extend as far as far as you want. In fact, the Constitution itself specifies this is not limited to land. So mm-hmm. even as it is, shares, artworks, etc., etc., etc. And uh, the various assumptions that we hear uh, that we hear, for instance, from the uh, uh, from some people in the real estate industry. Oh, don't worry about this. This is all about derelict farms really? in the Northern Cape. Mm-hmm. No, there, there is nothing to indicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I imagine that those derelict farms in the Northern Cape are not. Are not particularly in, in in anyone's sight at the moment because the government wanted to go and grab them, they could without any, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, without without any great fanfare. Um, it is precisely those properties where there are going to uh, uh, where there are claims, where there are people have an interest that I think stand to be um, stand to be affected. Now, what happened was that the uh, time span of that committee came to an end. Oh, um, okay. uh, essentially, coronavirus um, uh, just I got ahead of it. Now it's been reconvened. Um, in a se- one should be cautious about reading too much into this because this is probably mm-hmm. always going to happen. But I do think it um, uh, it puts a stake through the heart of the argument that uh, this was the opportunity that uh, the president was waiting for, and uh, he could quietly let it lapse because mm-hmm. we simply could, you know, can't afford to do this, and he knows that we can't afford to do this, and. Uh, you know, when, when we're looking at, um, at such a catastrophic, uh, um, uh, economic decline to, uh, go and threaten property rights, which is mm. probably about the worst thing you can do at this time, um, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, I think that what, that what people have to understand is that there's a great deal of ideology and politics playing here. Mm. And I think that is the framework rather than any sort of economic rationality. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's really a sort of ANC ideological soup, um, particularly because given the, disastrous state we are in financially as a country the 
proposal to expropriate without compensation and all the issues that you've highlighted um, essentially are absolutely counter to anything that would attract mm-hmm. the foreign a the foreign investment that we would need but immediately is any any bailout by the, by an entity like the IMF which surely one of the crew issues uh, sorry one of the um, key issues would be the preservation of property rights but mm. the ANC seems to be saying well stuff you we, we whatever as you say ideologically or uh, politically or murkier than that even that's what's governing our, 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 our thoughts on this matter it just seems so bizarre uh, bizarre certainly um, you know once again you know uh, uh, let's 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 swim back in history a bit um, in the 1990s and early 2000s, there was a um, what I would call a sort of pragmatist strain that went through that went through the ANC. Both um, uh, Nelson Mandela was never very hands-on in policy terms. I think that he he kind of saw the big picture that uh, he had to get money on side. Um, Tom and Becky, I think, you know, for all of his ideological fixations, he had a very firm grasp of, um, of economics, and he understood that the state of of South Africa's uh, uh, finances had to be brought into, li- um, in, into line. Remember, the ANC took over when the um, uh, when the National Party had bankrupted the country. Mm. Um, a very interesting story about that, that uh, the then uh, Na- uh, Treasury Department of Finance put together this little slideshow, which they called the Dirty Pictures, to basically say that there is no Scrooge <laughs> McDuck vault where we can all you know take off our clothes and swim through Krugerrands. Um, there's just, there's just big empty <laughs> rooms and lots of, uh, lots of minor signs on our ledges. Um, but that, that to all intents and purposes is gone. Um, as far as ideology goes, yes, look, I think that, that in, um, uh, along with Zoo, with, with, uh, with the Zuma ascendancy came not only the venality and, uh, the sort of grab what you can, um, mm. but you had a very strong strain of, I don't know what you'd call, untidy leftist thought mm. um you know no, you weren't necessarily you know th- uh, talking about um um about a left that you find in you know cap- uh, you know in 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 parts of europe or, or mm. latin america where guys have actually you know seen the seen the consequences and they say i mean much i may like this we can't do it mm. um and you know you actually have to have a business community. So shrug, shrug. Let's 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 do this properly. Uh, you, you, you're dealing with with uh, with people for whom that ideology is in many respects more real than reality. Mm. Um, and that uh, that gained a great deal of ground. Um, now you say uh, chasing away foreign investment. I'll go one step further. What about domestic investment? Mm, mm. Um, you know. Uh, I am sure that many that many of your listeners, and I certainly have counted this a couple of times, have um, uh, have in mind somebody who says, "Well, you know, they were thinking about buying a new house, but they don't know." Mm. Um, now, just think about this. You know, I was thinking I was thinking about uh, expanding my factory, but but since you know the economy is is is, is tanking badly, and since mm. I don't know that I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to own it in six months' time, well, mm. I'd, I'd rather not. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'll go and look for opportunities in Botswana mm. or in, in, in Tanzania, or I'll just, you know, put the money in a retirement fund and, you know, go and live in the Bahamas. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, the, this idea of, um, uh, of try, you know, that we, we, uh, we need to prostrate ourselves before, uh, uh, before foreign capital. I think this is, uh, yeah. this is a trick. You know, we, mm. we, 
we cannot do without that foreign investment. But, you know, it's not even like we're getting the domestic stuff. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, as far as the IMF goes, yes, you know, I think that um, they are, well, uh, their, their primary uh, primary concern, I think, is less policy at the moment than just, uh, you know, some sort of hold on, um, uh, some sort of hold on the macroeconomic picture. But I think that what, uh, what's important to bear in mind is that we are not in this position because there was a, um, uh, this, this, this dreadful virus came and, mm. uh, came and wiped the economy out. We were heading into a debt trap long before people were, you know, making pangolin soup or whatever it is that creates it. <laughs> um, no, you know, we, um, uh, the, you, you can, you can Google terms like South Africa debt trap and you see this starts, this starts coming up, you know, five, six years ago. Um, mm. even, uh, I, I think that we are very fortunate, for instance, that we have a, um, we have an independent, although uh, the government seems to have this, and it's, it's crosshairs too, and very competent reserve bank. And uh, the people I've spoken to there are really, really high caliber, um, high caliber thinkers. Um, but they have a very narrow set of tools to deal with, which is um, uh, 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 which is monetary policy. Mm-hmm. But you know, off the record, you know, they'll say that the issues with policy as well. You know, they can there's only so much that they can do with money, or the treasury can do with the fiscus. Ultimately, you need that growth rate to get up to five, six, seven percent to start generating the money. Um, you know, um, we 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 have these these uh, these economists um, uh, writing an open letter about how we need to sort of spend like a um, like a kugel with a um, uh, with an ex husband's credit card, um, and that you know that, that uh, uh, that's great if. If, if you have those resources at the moment, we are looking at hitting a hundred percent of GDP. You know, like in other words, um, we, we will owe what we produce in a year, like the equivalent value. Um, in a, um, I think it's, it's what about, but, but, but 2024 and maybe even before that. I mean, this, yeah, this year has knocked it up about, um, about 20%. And as we can get the economy going, you know, we, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we sort of pre-approved our great grandchildren. Well, actually, can I hold a thought there? Um, We need we need to go to an ad break, and I'd like to pick it up from there, even though we've moved on, because I think it's it's just such it's so huge. So Mm. let's take an ad break, and we'll come back and take it, pick it up from there. Thanks. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. Terence, it kind of boggles the mind. We are in enormous. Uh, as you've pointed out, I mean, horrific financial uh, financial state as a country. Um, the the ideology that the ANC is so wedded to that it somehow thinks it can. Well, I don't even think so. It even cares about whether it can do better than anyone who's come before it. But if there's one thing that's been proven is the application of socialism stroke Marxism has failed. I mean, it's not as if we're trying something new and daring. Mm-hmm. We're trying something that has failed pretty much spectacularly and has immiserated and killed millions and millions of people. Um, is, is, it, is it that it's almost a, a cult-like belief that Despite everything that we face that points to having to do the opposite, we are just uh, uh, step marching towards, I don't know what it is we're step marching towards, but, but towards nothing, because everything it, it can be taken by the government if it so chooses, if this uh, uh, legislation passes, and probably will, out of desperation, if nothing else. Well, yeah, look, um, 
just to, to, to clarify something, what we're talking about here is, the, is a constitutional amendment. Um, mm. This, in a sense, alters the rules of the game. Uh, mm. You will uh, you will then need to uh, enact a new um, a new expropriation bill, which is uh, also in the works, regulations and whatever. So there, it's a it's a um, it's a multi stage process. Mm. But yes, um, if you um, you know. One of the things that, uh, you know, no one less than Sora Mamposa was saying when this, when this started. No, no, don't worry. We've got a wonderful constitutional system and, you know, so you'll, you know, you'll be protected. Well, you know, if you're going to butcher the constitution, that argument mm, kind of mm. loses its appeal. Um, cult-like belief. Well, you know, I, I, I tend to think that, that, um, uh, the ANC is a big unwieldy organization. Um, it's guiding, it's, it's, it's guiding light is what it calls the national democratic revolution. Um, and this is, uh, you know, something that it inherited from the, uh, from the old East Bloc in the, um, uh, 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 during the Cold War. Um, and at its heart was the idea that you would, uh, dispossess your oppressing class and then you would, uh, sort of make a transition onto the glorious uplands of socialism. Um, and, uh, you know, I think socialism in this point needs to be understood not as a sort of, uh, you know, Swedish social democracy, but more as sort of the East German variant. Um, but um, I don't think that that, that that accounts for everything. I think, yes, that uh, that is, let, let's say, the, uh, the spine of it. You also, um, but you also have a, have a strain in the ANC that is very attracted to this idea of a developmental state, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, South, uh, the Korea and the Chinese thing. And uh, mm-hmm. you see this a lot in ANC documents. Uh, so, you know, one doesn't have to be a doc, have to be a doctrinaire Marxist to also reach a similar conclusion that you need this empowered state. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, they've taken sort of every, every message from those sort of, um, uh, from those sort of societies and misunderstood them. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you know um, it, 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 it's something we frequently hear about land reform. Oh yes, but look at the, um, uh, look at how, uh, how helpful land reform in South Korea or Taiwan or Japan was. And, that, and that, that, that's actually quite true. What they forget there is that this involved taking, um, uh, taking people who were already working, um, uh, uh, you know, small plots and were paying landlords rents, um, and, uh, conferring ownership. Now, South Africa's, uh, uh, mm. uh, official policy on this is that land reform beneficiaries don't get to own it. Um, mm, ma- mm. you know, maybe if they, um, uh, maybe if they are making a claim against a specific piece of land that they have, they have sort of ancestral rights to, but not if you are, um, you know, a, a, an aspirant farmer. In fact, there was a, there was a court case, um, uh, this, uh, uh, last year and, 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 and this year, the a man named David Rukhasi who had been trying to, uh, trying to buy a piece of state owned land that he was, that he had been successfully working for something like 20 years. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, there's that as well. Uh, the idea that somehow if we, if the, if the state was simply more empowered, uh, you know, we could see, you know, stratospheric growth and everyone would become very happy overnight. Um, well, no, um, mm. the South Koreans, the Taiwanese, the Chinese, they have very competent bureaucracies, at least, or at least, uh, what's, what's called good enough governance. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's massive corruption in China. There was big corruption in, in South Korea and Taiwan. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was about getting stuff done and, you know, I'll take my cut. We mm. have a situation, and you've just seen the Auditor General's report, particularly at local government mm. level, uh, where that's just laughable. Um, you know, uh, good enough governance would be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we have, 
what are essentially ungoverned spaces, you know, uh, in, 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 in much of the country. Um, and then of course yes. there's, and then of course, the, you know, there's, there's, there's something that's, uh, um, uh, that's a lot more sinister, which is, um, you know, using, using ideology to, to mask, um, uh, uh to mask venality. Um, Look, let me, um, uh, let, let me sketch a possible future, and we think that this is a, uh, that this may well be the end game. Um, the government, uh, takes possession of all land in South Africa on the, uh, along the lines of water rights or uh, mineral rights. Uh, so, you know, everybody is, um, is, uh, property and land just, just, just cannot be exercised anymore. Private property and land. Mm. Okay, so the, um, uh, the government doesn't necessarily go and, you know, expel people from their, um, uh, uh, from their, from their homes and, uh, and farms. In fact, it says, well, it'd actually like to keep farmers on, um, uh, farmers producing meat, uh, mealies and beef and whatever. So, uh, you know, you get your five year, um, uh, you get your five year lease and, uh, it's pro forma thing. Well, a couple of years later, uh, yes, you know, we'd still like, you know, farmer Pete to carry on, uh, to carry on farming. But, you know, we do think that, they, that we need to introduce an empowerment uh, clause. So, you know, he needs to give up 20% of his equity. And, okay, you know, he grumbles and he does that. Um, and, uh, you know, then five years later, it's 51%. And mm. uh, it's not just a case of, you know, um, well, I'm going to cut my, uh, uh, my my foreman and who's been with me all these years. No, no, no. There's a, there's a sort of list that uh, uh, that is unofficially doing the rounds, which shows, you know, a list of acceptable business people who funnily enough have surnames that closely match members of parliament or, uh, <laughs> and yes, you know, that, that, that becomes, that becomes the way, uh, the way you do it. Uh, the, um, the farmer or the, or the business owner finds that he or she is increasingly just a civil servant. Um, and the demands for, um, uh, for more kind of, uh, kind of extraction just make it not worth doing. So this generation either, either um, either leaves or just, you know, uh, retires mm-hmm. and, um, What's left is just no one black or white who wants who wants to go in there because it's a it's a it's now a toxified environment where everything involves massive um, uh, uh, massive essentially rent transfers mm-hmm. and you know if you think if, if you think that this is a um, uh, this is a horror story this is unfortunately what happens in a lot uh, you know to a lot of agricultural producers mm-hmm. around around the continent uh, that it's just that rent seeking role is often um, is often uh, taken by a traditional leader or by um some sort of uh some sort of local political strongman um or uh you know um uh, a, a government bureaucrat you know who 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 can dangle your 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 permission to occupy over your head but he can also take it away very quickly um so yes you know that 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 is that is where this could lead. This could be going, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I mean, we'll have to wrap up there. Um, I would love to have you back to take it further, um, but only oh, on condition that when you, when, you, when you come back, you have an, a solution to how to stop this madness. Um, thanks well, very, very much. <laughs> Deal. Next week. Um, thank, you, thank you so much, Terence. Um, and uh, we'll go to our last ad break before we wrap up. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the final little stretch of, of the program. And um, I don't know really what to say uh, having had uh, Terence on because 
the, we need we need to fight back on this. And to be honest, the institutions that we pay our mortgages to and uh, pay, our, pay our pensions to and are invested uh, by entities that sort of won't raise their voices on this issue. Um, so the, the government is almost largely, except for the intervention of or attempted intervention of organizations like ourselves can run, can run roughshod because no one with authority or power is, is standing up to him. So perhaps I could appeal to you to appeal to those people, the bankers, the, the uh, pension investment people, etc., to take a stand against this. Um, what I, what we will be looking at coming next week is possibly the fact that this week the ANC warned the SABC not to continue cutting jobs because it would embarrass the, the uh, ANC. Well, um, frankly, given our uh, political uh, and financial situation, that should be the least of the embarrassments. And as, presumably if SABC wants to keep running, it's going to have to reduce costs. It's, that's, a one plus one equals two that I'm not sure. I think the ANC might have five on that one. Um, the other thing is that uh, so, the Solidarity has worn a court case that's not perhaps huge, but in, 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 the, in appearance, and that is for private early childhood development centers to, uh, to reopen. And the importance of this is there is probably no more important time for a child to to start being educated, to have its brain being stimulated then in, at the age of two, three, and four. And it's absolutely crucial. Also, very small children are virtually no risk of either getting nor transferring COVID to, to, to its teachers. So it's a very significant uh, judgment. I think the judge really responded to the science that uh, Solidarity put before it. But I think the, the ongoing story is going to be aspects of COVID and what's been done right, what's being done wrong, what's not being opened, what is being opened, the wrong things are being opened, the right things are not being opened, etc. And that will continue as we go. So, I, 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 uh, as I say, my plea to the to the listenership is to make your voice be heard and deal get get to the organisations that you pay money to who should be standing up for your rights and. Uh, with that in mind, uh, I hope to see you next week on another exciting, if uh, somewhat depressing topic. And what's probably most depressing is the knowledge that uh, our president's multi-million rand property in Fresne will remain safely in his hands and will not be expropriated. With that, thanks for, thanks for listening and see you next week.